Real News. Welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is December 18th, uh, 2019. And you know, honestly, this year has gone by, by pretty quick, no? And uh, 2020, it's going to be in a blink of an eye that it's going to be summer and in a blink of an eye where we're going to have elections. Things are really going to move quickly and swiftly. It seems, uh, you know, throughout um, a little over a year that I've been on the radio uh, reaching out to you as I have by other means in many shapes and forms, I guess, you know, uh, the Internet allows us to communicate with people on various, um, through various modes. Uh, I have stressed uh, the, the knowledge necessary to understand uh, intentional mistakes, intentional definition changes, and intentional misspellings. It is one way where obfuscation uh, is done under the guise of um, miskeying or erroneous uh, input. Uh, that's, you know, you can always claim stupid, right? And uh, that's something I realized myself when I um, realized uh, uh, errors and I, like, well, I'm pretty sure that error wasn't there. Oh, somebody must have, we'll fix it. Mm-hmm. We'll fix it. This is how they hide. This is how they manufacture information. This is how they slot things in. And you know, and this is how they keep us at bay. Keep humans at bay so that they do not understand, so they can continue to perpetuate the atrocities against mankind, but mostly to those that are the most vulnerable. It's pretty interesting how things are coming to light in such a way that those of you that are actively involved in your nation's future, not those that go off talking points and uh, listening to the mainstream media, both left and right, because look how quickly Eric Ciaramella is not even mentioned anymore because he was never a whistleblower. Everyone fell for it. You know, I said it. A lot of people were angry that I said it. And I said, you're all dumb. And they're going to say, ooh, don't mention it because, you know, Human nature, when people say don't, we always want to do. And it's kind of like, oh, there that went. And then suddenly it all comes out. Whoop, turns out there were wiretaps. No, duh. Because this is how they operate. It's not unmasking the clowns and, and saying, you did it, spank. You did it, spank. You did it, spank. It's about unmasking their methods. So that way they don't get to use the same road again. So if they try to make a new pathway to, cor to corruption, to do what they want to do, their dumb actions, then, you know, as they pave this new road, they get caught. So what we need to do is eliminate their silk road of information, their silk road of communication. That needs to be eradicated. That needs to have, uh, you know, sand thrown, lines erased, pathways disabled. 
because it runs so deep. And humans are always going to be humans, innately good, always seeing the best. And, you know, I, all of us are victim to that. We see only the best. We do not suspect the worst out of people. And that's how life should be, guys. Could you imagine if you actually met every single person and thought the worst of them? Could you imagine, you know, sitting on a train and sitting next to someone and thinking they're this horrific person? Could you imagine that? It would be a life not worth living. And, and innate goodness is there. Now, what's going on today? Today, what I could tell you is, is that we have Horowitz testifying, and there's only one channel, one channel, Fox, streaming it. Nobody else is. They're just busy talking about the impeachment, which was completely partisan. There was no nonpartisan. Amash doesn't count, or Bernie doesn't count, whichever one dropped their independent. And it shows that it is partisan because there were two Democrats that voted no. Those Democrats will indeed, you know, find their way uh, back into their seats. Um, obviously, they're Democrats that do not agree with what is going on. It is bizarre. It is so bizarre to see this. 225 Democrats said yes. All Republicans, 194, said no. Four of them weren't voting. And you know from the Democrats, there were six that didn't show up and vote. And to be honest with you, think about it. 193 plus 10 is 203. Plus 2 is 205. So we would have been out by 20 points anyway. So it doesn't matter that they didn't vote. But the Democrats that didn't vote will not get reelected. The Republicans, who didn't vote on the Republican side, we should take a look. And you should ask yourself, where's Nadler? Where's Schiff? Like, where are all these clowns? I mean, you know, Nadler disappeared yesterday just out of the blue. Pretty interesting, huh? Where'd he go? And he had sleazy, slimy, racist, just sit, filling in for him while he was being, you know, dog whispering in the ear by the guy behind him. The one that loathes human beings. Mm. But, you know, now it all comes down to it. Now we figure out that it's not about... President Trump doing wrong, President Trump being evil, President Trump abusing his power. It's they want to stop you from seeing what they've been doing for so long. And it's like, what, what are you, why can't we see what you're doing? You know, remember it was Elijah, Nancy, Adam, and Jerry, right? Four. Elijah's gone. We got Nancy, Schiff, and Nadler left. Just saying. Works both ways. You know that whole suicide thing. Right. So now they know that everything's coming out in regards to the software, in regards to the algorithms, in regards to Imran A1, in regards to Sean Lucas. All that is coming out. All of it. And so tonight we're going to have, you know, uh, Bill Barr on uh, television. And that'll be fun to watch. And again... Look for misspeaking, misstating, accidentally saying a name that's not supposed to be the name or such. 
and he will tell you everything you need to know. Um, so that'll happen today. So that'll be interesting to watch. Now, as they're doing this impeachment hearing, like I said, no one is looking at Horowitz, which is super duper duper juicy. I mean, corny, right? Comey's so clean. Corny, corny, corny. It sounds like a corny joke. It sounds like people are so dumb, but no one's talking about it. No. It says, it says, it says, um, it says Comey. It's not Comey. It's corny. Uh, actually, uh, you know, if you find it on other documents, you'll see that it's James Corny on many, many things. Um, and they actually uh, published that on the Justice Department's um, website a few times. Actually, during his swearing in as FBI director after Mueller was prolonged in that position, uh, he, uh, they literally spelled it, misspelled it. <laughs> intentionally like that because they knew what was going to come. The good people did. So we made sure to drop that there. So think. What's happening now? Think. What do you think is happening now? What do you think? So the first person going down, who is it? You should just let that percolate for a second and we'll talk about it. But what did you see yesterday and the day before yesterday you see Judge Collier suddenly coming out. Oh, no. Like, I was so upset. They did all these wrong. Oh, my gosh. No, you don't. And those throwing her cover need to get their heads checked. I have been talking about Collier since 2016, all 2017. And in 2018, I made a lot of noise writing and referring to her when I talked about how Mueller was an inferior officer in 2018. I've been talking about it on the radio. Why is she still on a bench? That is all I keep asking. This is what they're doing. They're throwing cover to the judges saying, you work with us now that Trump is trying to say that we're like abusing power and making stuff up. And then, um, you know, we'll be fine. You just work with us. We're going to throw them cover. We need to be removing people off the bench, off the bench, off of it. She should not be allowed to be there. She let it happen. She knew what was happening and her due diligence was just as important as theirs. So I think we should cover uh, the DOJ's um, uh, Inspector General uh, live hearing. Uh, there's, uh, I think it's over now, if I'm not mistaken. No, or they took a break or something. But I'm going to um, start um, it at the questioning portion. Give me a second. And it's Johnson that begins it. Here we go. But rather than shut it down or use the least intrusive methods, the FBI ramped it up. Confidential human sources became FISA wiretaps. Top FBI officials argued. Hold on a second. I just also wanted to mention, can you hear the shoddy sound? Yeah. This is the only live stream. Okay. So not only do we have one place live streaming this, right? But it has bad sound. I just want to point out how you're like, I trust this network. I trust that guy. I trust this girl. Pay attention who's talking about it. By the way, disagreeing with the CIA on this, 
for inclusion of the unverified and salacious steel dossier into the body of the Obama administration's intelligence community assessment. And finally, the FBI investigation ballooned into special counsel investigation. As a result, the Trump administration was tormented for over two years by an aggressive investigation and media speculation, all based on a false narrative, and our nation has become even more divided. For anyone willing to take the time to read the report, the report is a devastating account of investigative and prosecutorial negligence, misconduct, and abuse of the FISA court process by FDA, FBI, and Department of Justice officials. The most disturbing revelations of the IG investigation include reports of doctoring and using an email to mislead the FISA court, ignoring the fact that exculpatory evidence was obtained during surreptitious recordings of investigation tar targets, deciding not to provide a defensive briefing to the Trump campaign, planting an FBI investigator in an intelligence briefing for candidate Trump under false pretenses, and withholding known and significant credibility problems related to the Steele dossier. With these abuses in mind, and in light of what became known early in the, in, in the investigation, I strongly believe the cross, Crossfire Hurricane should have been shut down within the first few months of 2017. Had the public known what the FBI knew at the time, it's hard to imagine public support for continuing the investigation, much less the appointment of a special counsel four months later. Investigations into Russian hacking, Paul Manafort and Michael Cohen should have continued using normal FBI and Department of Justice procedures. But with a sufficiently informed public and an FBI and Department of Justice that rigorously followed their own procedures, this national political nightmare could have been avoided. Which raises the question, why wasn't the public properly informed? Some of the reasons are now obvious, some are speculative. What is obvious is that certain FBI and Department of Justice officials were not truthful or scrupulously accurate in their filings. Also, as this committee's majority staff report on leaks in the first four months of the Trump administration shows, an unprecedented number of leaks, 125 in the first 126 days of the administration, helped fuel the false narrative of Trump campaign collusion with Russia. The media was either duped or complicit in using those leaks to perpetuate this false narrative. The role of other Obama administration officials and members of the intelligence community is murky and unknown, but legitimate suspicions and questions remain and must be answered. For example, who initiated the contacts between Joseph Mistud, Alexander Downer, Stefan Helper, and Azra Turk with George, Stefano George Papadopoulos? Was the January 6th intelligence briefing given to President-elect Trump by James Comey, John Brennan, and James Clapper orchestrated to provide a justification for the news publication of the Steele dossier? The fact that the involvement of others outside the FBI and Justice Department remains murky and unknown after an 18-month-long Inspector General investigation is not criticism of his work, but speaks to the statutory limitations of Inspectors General that should be evaluated and re reassessed for reform. Another question that needs to be asked is, who will be held accountable? During his investigation of the FBI's handling of the Clinton email scandal, the Inspector General uncovered a treasure trove of unvarnished evidence of bias in the form of text between FBI officials Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and others. 
Were it not for the discovery of those texts, would we even be here today reviewing an IFG investigation of these stunning abuses of prosecutorial power? I have my doubts. The officials involved in this scandal had plenty of time to rehearse their carefully crafted answers to the IG's questions or to use time as an excuse for their lack of recall. For example, on significant issues described in the report, Andrew McCabe told IG investigators 26 times that he did not recall. Some of those involved are even claiming vindication as a result of the IG report. I appreciate Mr. Horowitz's testimony last week in which he stated about this re report, quote, it doesn't vindicate anybody at the FBI who touched this, including the leadership. Finally, I would argue that the process for investigating and adjudicating alleged crimes within the political realm is completely backward. Congressional oversight and therefore public awareness end up being the last step in the process instead of the first. Once a criminal or special counsel investigation begins, those investigations become the primary excuse for withholding information and documents from congressional oversight and public disclosure. In order to avoid a repeat of unnecessary special counsels or improper investigations of political scandals, I would suggest that Congress should increase its demands for obtaining documentary evidence concurrently with criminal investigations if necessary and hold hearings early in the process. This will result in more timely transparency while preserving an adversarial process to provide political balance and fairness. If possible criminal acts are found during congressional oversight, they can re be referred to the Justice Department for further investigation. If conflicts of interest that prevent a fair adjudication by the Justice Department, then a special counsel can be appointed, but only as a last resort, not a first. I'm sure we will spend most of today's hearing discussing the Crossfire Hurricane investigation and the Inspector General's report on it. But I do hope we can spend some time discussing some of the other issues I've just raised. Regardless, this committee's oversight on the events in... in okay, so uh, before I get back to that, because they ended the live stream, I just wanted to tell you that um, this hearing had absolutely, like, almost nobody there. And that was bizarre because it was only Rand Paul, Johnson, and a handful in Horowitz. And unfortunately, this stream has been taken offline since it ended uh, uh, just um, t 20 minutes ago. I just wanted to say, um, once I get that linked back up, um, I'll be able to play the clips where you can actually hear Horowitz say, well, they weren't spying, we were just listening in on phone calls. Because that's not spying, right? You know, I just tweeted it out. I want you guys to know how upset I am. If in October and if in September, because I reached out to these journalists with the blue check marks on the right, if anyone listened and took heed to the information provided, imagine if all of September, October, and November, we were talking about Adam Schiff wiretapping the White House and everybody else in the orbit. Do you think that we'd have impeachment today? No, we would not. But, you know, nobody listens. Nobody pays attention. Everybody beats to that drum. Ugh, we have to wait for this darn... We need one indictment to come out now so people wake up because everyone's still sleepwalking. It's so upsetting. So upsetting. 
Because if only everyone would have paid attention, okay, not just to me, because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of me's that probably said the same thing across the planet. To get mass awakening, we got to drop an indictment. Nobody has faith anymore. I mean, and I'm speaking from a position right now that I question my own faith, and I'm telling you, why don't you have faith? Why don't you look at what's there? Please have faith. I mean, I need your faith, uh, you know, to be expressed so that I can pull from that strength too, let's just say, uh, you know, on a more, you know, localized level to myself. But if, if the conversation was driven, rather than people get upset, you know, because do you know how many people got back at me? How dare you? Everyone's saying it's Eric Sierra Mellon. Stop, stop. That's what they want you to do. They wanted you to say the name. They wanted to make it taboo. They wanted to pay attention to who you follow. Pay attention to who tells you these things. Look at all these people running to support Judge Collier. Oh, look, she wrote a scathing report. Stop. No. She knew that what they got, they got before they even applied for the FISA warrant. She's a liar. Don't cover for her. When I see the right throwing her support, blows my mind. Completely blows my mind how they could do that. How they could just throw support at the person that helped make this happen. She didn't know? Please. How did a pen register by Lynch get issued on Manafort's phone? How did it go underneath, you know, Sullivan's radar? Come on. We're not dumb. We just haven't been looking in the right place. Again, I say, if people had actually focused on the wiretapping that Schiff was doing, then we wouldn't even have impeachment right now. We wouldn't have impeachment right now. Only if people had the conversation. We are the powerful ones. We drive the narrative. Not Fox. Not CNN, not OAN, not, you know, all these blue check marks. You drive the conversation. You drive the conversation. And if it doesn't seem to sit right, oh, yeah, this random limp-wristed kid totally orchestrated all of this. If it doesn't sit right, it's not. You know, the basis of science is uh, that everything is parsimonious. The simplest answer is always the right answer, no matter how kooky it may seem. You know, it, it, it's really horrific to, 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 you know, for, for people to understand that we allowed this to happen. We've been allowing this. And, you know, obviously uh, the world was not aware of a lot of things that were going on. People don't get aware because they have to be in 20 places at once. They have to have clones in order to... To, 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 to move forward and, and, and be able to keep their fingers on all pulses to understand the bigger picture. But there are tons of people that have that for you. There are outlets. We've created outlets. There's outlets on almost every single social media m mode that you can, internet mode that you can. It's about tapping into it and understanding and taking, I, I say it again, Envision yourself standing on the moon looking down. It makes a lot more sense. Because we're near in the thick of it. You don't know. You could be standing in a forest that has like 10 trees and you think you're in, you know, the most massive forest because you can't see the beginning, the end, the outside. But if you're sitting on the moon and you look at it, it looks so tiny, so minuscule, so no big deal. 
So again, imagine if we were having the conversation about wiretapping when I started the conversation in September, October, and totally drove it home in November, well, end of October, beginning of November, we wouldn't be here on impeachment right now. That would have made mainstream media news because apparently, according to our law enforcement, only when it's mainstream media do they pay attention. And there are so many out there, male and female, that I reached out to, and they were like, no, nobody's saying that. I don't care. Trust me. I've never given you anything wrong. We need to start this conversation. That is where you see where they are. Because now when I said, how do you feel? Well, you know, there was no way to prove. Nope, stop. It's over. I don't trust you anymore. I don't trust you. I don't care if you're coming out with your girlfriend on TV, you know, a month later saying, oh, it seems like, you know, there were AT&T records. And, right, because when I told you it wasn't, you know, you couldn't even at least speculate so that, you know, you get a response. Because sometimes the way... angle. Tom McClintock and Ken Buck. Congressman Jordan, let's start with you. The articles are expected to hit the floor tomorrow. Mm -hmm. What can Republicans do uh, now? We can continue to point out the truth. All the facts are on the president's side. They've always been on the president's side, and that's why the Democrats had to resort to this unfair partisan process they conducted in the House. No subpoenas for Republicans. None of our witnesses could be invited to the hearing in the depositions. Adam Schiff prevented some witnesses from answering Republican questions. All the Democrat questions got answered. And, of course, Adam Schiff told us that the whistleblower was going to testify until we all discovered, oh, wait a minute, the whistleblower had met with Adam Schiff's staff, so then he wasn't going to testify. So this idea that they're now talking about process concerns in the Senate after what the House Democrats did into this entire three months, it's just kind of laughable, and I, I think your, your angle was right on that. I mean, it really, I, I, it just came to me in the car. You, know, you always say it's a circus. It's, but it truly is a circus, but it's one of those lame, you know, the kind that just didn't have a lot of money, and they, they kind of had a broken down old elephant, and then they had, but I, we had those in our town, and you're just like, okay, can we get the real circus? If we're going to see a circus. We want a good circus. Congressman McClintock, Nancy Pelosi, I think she, her gut was against doing Guaranteed. that. And I know she's not going to say it. She wishes they didn't walk out onto the edge of this branch, and now they're about to saw it off. Well, I, I can't read minds, but it reminds me a lot of what the Air Force describes as target fixation, when a pilot gets so fixated on a target that he forgets to fly his plane and, mm. and, and ends up crashing into a mountain. I think that's where the Democrats are, and uh, and they're they're crashing the country into a mountain. I mean, these, these articles of impeachment are an absolute travesty. And by the way, I think you owe an apology to America's circuses, comparing what's going on <laughs> in that building right now. Yeah. Well, uh, Congressman Buck, uh, the president is responding to this impending vote. And he did so today with a scathing letter to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, writing, quote, History will judge you harshly as you proceed with this impeachment charade. Your legacy will be that of turning the House of Representatives from a revered legislative body into a star chamber of partisan persecution. Well, here's how Nancy reacted. Your reaction is the president's letter? Your reaction is still. You have no reaction, why not? No, I haven't really fully read it. We've been working. I've seen the essence of it, though, and it's really sick. It's really sick, Congressman. 
Well, what the president did was lay out the procedural uh, flaws in the House process. And I think that uh, if the bar stays this low for future impeachments, we're going to have a problem as a country because anytime we have a Republican House, a Republican, uh, a Republican House and Senate, and a Democrat president, the Republicans are going to go after the, the Democrat president if this is where the bar is. It shouldn't be here. Now, your colleague, um, Alcee Hastings, sure spent a lot of time pontificating on impeachment today. What we have here is a corrupt president that wanted to do something to advance his political circumstances. Well, a little interesting slightly that that congressman back in 1988, Mr. Hastings, was himself impeached when he was a federal judge for bribery and perjury. But like the circus, it keeps coming back up into town. I mean, the same people. He's only one of eight people ever to be removed from office by a Senate impeachment trial. So, Congressman Jordan, you literally can't make this up. I saw that and I said, that can't, that actually isn't Alcee no. Hastings. But I thought, oh yeah, it is Alcee. Yeah, it just keeps getting stranger and stranger. Remember what Nancy Pelosi promised on September 24th when she launched the House of Representatives on this crusade. She promised that in the end it'd be bipartisan. In the end they would move the American people. When they actually had the hearings, it would move Americans towards their position. And in fact, just the opposite has happened. So much so that when they took the vote on the official inquiry, Two Democrats voted with us, and now one of those Democrats is going to switch and become a Republican. So they have not made their case because they don't have the facts on their side. Now, I read the entire letter. Uh, it's it's, it's, it's hard-hitting, yeah. but a, a good friend of mine in Florida, who's very politically connected, said the president is teaching Republicans how to fight. <laughs> Like, like Mitt Romney's rules of order, and we're going to be very, oh, my dear friend and from New York, uh, we uh, respect you so much, but I have a slight disagreement, a quibble with you. Like, who's not going to do that? He's going to take, you come at him with a club, and he's going to come at you with something bigger and harder. And uh, Congressman McClintock, uh, they were hammering this letter. I mean, they, they seized this letter, and they must have been like Evelyn Wood speed readers, because they read this letter, and they immediately pounced. Watch. This afternoon, he sent a six-page, hyperbole-filled screed. It's a revealing glimpse into the president's mind right now. This is a tantrum being done on White House letterhead. And senators who read this are going to be concerned about his mental state. The letter is more of a midnight rant by the president. And regrettably, uh, it's filled with lies. Honestly, this is almost like a letter that Kim Jong-un wrote. I mean, the letter is hard hitting, but the letter is pretty darn, you know, on point, on almost every point. They were trying to distract from the economy. Uh, they're, they're obsessed with getting him. They hate him. They hate the Americans who voted for him. Well, I think that's a big reason he was elected. He, he, not because he talks in smarmy platitudes like politicians, but precisely because he doesn't. He, that you, what you get with Donald Trump is the blunt, clear talk of a Manhattan businessman. He says what he means. He means what he says. And I think a lot of people found that appealing. Congressman Buck. Um, he says in this letter that the Democrats are the ones who are interfering with the next election. Everything they accuse him of, they're in fact doing. They're intolerant. They're filled with hate. Uh, they want to dilute the votes of Americans who, who will turn out to vote for Trump. They want to remove that choice from the uh, ballot. And this is the opening statement that you're going to see in, in the Senate. And, and the president is, is laying out for the American people what the American people can expect. And if, if Mitch McConnell shortens the Senate trial, it's unfortunate because I think the American people are waiting to see the Republican narrative. We haven't had that opportunity in the House. I ran into Louis Gohmert in the, uh, in the green room, Congressman Jordan. Louis up for a fight. I mean, he's like, why are we shut? I guess the moderates want to shut this thing down. And my, my concern as a lawyer, mm -hmm. I used to do this stuff. 
is that you never know what you're going to get. Like, right. you, you know, you, you think it's, it's like, don't dig a hole when you're uh, on top of uh, terra firma here. That's yeah. the only uh, concern, but I kind of want to, I, I kind of want to take it to the wall, too, with these people. Well, we, we'd all like to hear from the whistleblower, but I trust Mitch McConnell and what the senators are going to do. The facts are, you know, the facts on the president's side, we've said this for months now. Uh, four facts have never changed. We have the transcript. There was no linkage, no quid pro quo. We have the two guys on the call. Zelensky and President Trump said no pressure, no linkage, no no pushing whatsoever. We have the fact Ukraine didn't know the call. Uh, aid was held up at the time of the call. Most importantly, the Ukrainians did nothing to get the aid relief. So those facts have never changed, will never change. They keep we saying you're not arguing that. the substance. That is the well, substance. Those are they, the they're facts. like, oh, they're not arguing the substance. Tom McClintock and Ken Buck and Jim Jordan are just talking about process. Well, let's talk about the substance for a second. I mean, if, if, if you brought a case to a court uh, that charged no actual crimes, but rather pretend crimes, crimes that you made up, those are the two articles of impeachment, mm -hmm. abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Those are not crimes. Obstruction of uh, Congress means he went to the courts to defend his constitutional prerogatives. Uh, abuse of power means he ex lawfully exercised his constitutional powers just in a manner that the Congress... So no crimes. And... and of uh, present no evidence that would be admissible in a court. It's all hearsay, or in other words, gossip. Uh, that's what's supporting their flimsy case of not actual crimes, but made up crimes. Congressman, this has been thrown out in the Congressman Jordan, I hear you. Exactly. So made up crimes, here you hear the right media telling you and putting it out. I mean, I can see Jim Jordan so upset. He's extremely upset, and I make him right. I mean, uh, why wouldn't you be upset? Right now, they are clearly taking um, advantage of the fact that people are not paying attention. They are clearly taking advantage of the fact that they've got the bullhorn. And unfortunately, we've got, uh, you know, people everywhere. Um, I, I want to call them. You remember when Dan Cote, oh, I, I was um, guessing, but I did mention how, you know, Dan Coates, um laughed at, uh, the uh, president of the United States during a cyber conference. You know, all of these people um, are in on it. There's a lot of uh, Republicans you should keep your eyes out on because now that they're going to make these articles where he can't come back, they're changing the rules. So if you get impeached, we're not going to let you run again. We're not going to let people pick you again. We're not going to let people do anything with you again. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty bizarre, isn't it, right? So they're changing all the rules just for President Trump. Just for him. So it's about time that we pop one open uh, just to make people wake up. But the thing is, it's not that we're trying to wake up the remaining lefties or the people that are getting paid to go in pro-impeachment protests. Like, who even does that? Um, it's, it's, an, it's not even that. We don't, we don't even care about those people. It's people like you and I that, that, that are the ones that supposedly need an indictment, you know, to, to realize that, you know, stuff is really happening. I mean, the fact that Nadler wasn't there on his glorious day to give his final statements and stuff said nothing to anyone. It was just like, oh, yeah, family emergency. The fact that Schiff was missing, oh, yeah, just, you know, just so happened to, you know, happen. I mean, come on. Then they had a false flag kidnapping in New York. You know, man, you know, when people realize that the world is governed by corporations, uh, you know, then, you know, I, I think um, it will be understood uh, just how insane 
the whole uh, spiel is. Because no matter how many times someone says, look, corporations are not only running everything, they're not only part of the Pentagon, part of every single facet of your life, but they even run your elections and fix them. When you realize, when you actually realize that there's some suit making decisions for you, kind of like the way Bloomberg said, oh, yeah, you know, we should just keep taxing the poor a lot so they can't have soda and sugar. They'll live longer. Yeah, because you need healthy slaves. That's why, you know, back in the days, slaves were fed meat, rice, proper food. They were not allowed to have beer, cigarettes. How dare you try to indulge? No, no, no. So this is how... They operate. When people figure out that, you know, corporations are running this, corporations are moving children and humans, your own government, guys is government, government, guys is a corporation, corporation, guys is government. Uh, that's when it makes sense. The world is run by corporations. This is why we needed a businessman to come in and throw in that wrench. Impeachment. Wow. They want to impeach him so bad. Wow. With only less than a year for, uh, you know, uh, you know, elections. Wow. Right, guys? Think just how desperate they are. Think how desperate they are to make sure that the people do not know and understand. So another thing is, is that, you know, Manafort... Yesterday, I found out he was sick, and apparently a judge in New York actually um, was um, discussing throwing out charges against Paul Manafort, um, and um, this is a little bit of a disruption in how he can proceed. Um, I think because yesterday they were discussing how the judge is being forced to throw out charges that could not stand and for some reason were stood, um, that this uh, happened. He actually got sick. I think he suffered a heart attack or had some kind of heart scare. You know, they have pens. They have pens. So I just wanted to say on our front, because uh, in the second hour I want to talk uh, global politics. I want to talk Turkey. I want to talk... UN, I want to talk Israel, I want to talk Libya, uh, and obviously what we're doing out there. Uh, it's important for us to know that um, they are moving as fast as they can because the minute the court date comes that he was being held uh, responsible for supposedly um, a pushing to um, correct what Congress was doing, which is abusing their power. They, okay, let me let me make it simpler because I am in a very baffled and hazy situation. But the bottom line is President Trump went to the court to say that Congress is abusing their power. He filed it. Now, because he filed that, Congress says he's abusing his power because he's obstructing Congress from doing their job. Now, what is Congress's job? Is it Congress's job to wiretap the White House? Is it Congress's job to be wiretapping journalists and, and, and private citizens? Is it Congress's job to be speaking to various handlers, law enforcement and intelligence agents so they can mass arrest and cause disarray across the nation to citizen journalists? 
I'm just saying, is it their job? Impeachment is a joke. It's supposed to be something completely serious, and they've taken it and moved it. And you know what really sucks? That we have people on the right, people that I follow too, that are sharing things like, oh, pardon General Mike Flynn. Pardon him from what? He didn't do anything. So when you say things like pardon the general, pardon General Flynn, that's giving merit to their baseless accusations. Pardon Roger Stone. He didn't do anything. When someone has done nothing wrong and you're like, pardon them, why am I pardoning someone who's done nothing wrong? You're giving merit. Words are very important. Words have meaning. They have power. They are charged. This is why prayer is so important. This is why prayer is the ultimate weapon. Words have power. So when I hear or see people tweet out or say, oh, pardon Roger Stone, pardon General Flint, there's no pardoning. They did nothing wrong. There's nothing to pardon. Should be, you know, um, you know, ha- let them get retribution. Well, restitution, <laughs> there should be retribution, but they should get restitution for what they've been through. Okay? There should be restitution. And so now we have impeachment. Now it goes to the Senate. What does that tell you? What, are, what is it going to tell you now? Do you really trust the Republicans in the Senate? Be honest with yourself. Be honest. Do you trust the Republicans in the Senate? It's really important for you to think of that that if you understand the gravity of just what happened, it should be with that thought, do you trust the Republicans in the Senate? They impeached him for power, and they told you so. Take a listen. Concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. I support impeaching this president. I will fight every day until he is impeached. It may well produce... Impeachment. We're going to go in there, we're going to impeach them up. We begin impeachment proceedings now. We are introducing articles of impeachment to remove President Trump from office. I rise today, Mr. Speaker, to call for the impeachment of the President. You guys are going to be in a situation where you would have to possibly take a vote on the impeachment of Donald Trump. Would you vote yes or no? I would vote yes. I would vote. I would vote to impeach. Impeach 45! Impeach 45! That's what they needed. They needed to cover themselves. They needed to make sure that they don't get caught. Mm. So, impeach, huh? This is horrific. This is disgusting. And, sorry, but... Those on the right, oh my gosh, how could this happen? Oh, look at me. I'm a warrior for for America. No, you're not. Because you did not talk about what was really happening. We could have changed the conversation. You see people throwing cover for Rosemary Collier. No, she is responsible. She knew exactly what was happening. She's lying. 
completely lying. Mm. And it ha- you know, it's just, it should make you wonder, you know, how does this get fixed? It's going to get fixed. There's just too many out there right now. It's going to get fixed. I want you to listen to what Steve Scalise uh, said today. Hold on. Let me play this. Before the phone call, over 100 Democrats voted to impeach this president. Before the phone call. In fact, there was one article of impeachment that we forced a vote on that they were trying to impeach the president because he criticized NFL players for kneeling during the Pledge of Allegiance. Over 50 Democrats voted to impeach the president of the United States for that. Now, do people across the country think that meets the constitutional standard of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors? Of course not. doesn't pass the smell test, but it shows that this has been a personal vendetta against the president, uh, not a fact-finding mission in search of an impeachable offense because there was no impeachable offense. Before the phone call, over 100... So what does that tell you when you have, uh, you know, that going on for years? They wanted to impeach him because people were kneeling because he said you shouldn't be kneeling. Are you kidding? Like, this is where we're at. And did you guys see, uh, you know, uh, Disney's new uh, advertisement, Rise of the Resistance? Yep, that's happening. And did you know that um, they're all coming out of the woodwork now, former chiefs, former Intel, former this, and... You know, they're all discussing uh, how they think this is all going to go. They're all chiming in. I mean, all of these Harvard clowns are chiming in. And when you realize that Harvard's a corporation in itself, you know, then it'll make sense to you because we're run by corporations, complete corporations. This is what we are run by. Mm. And, you know, sometimes it's great to compartmentalize uh, your good guys and your bad guys um, more so the good guys, because sometimes they're sloppy good guys, and sometimes they're good guys that have bigger targets, and they don't link back. Remember that. Remember that, because you have to see who has gone and who has come and who has gone uh, from the Trump administration to make sense to you. You know, we see uh, Greg Jarrett actually wrote an article. Um, that I saw about an hour ago um, saying that the FISA court's, uh, you know, awakening from a deep slumber is too late. No, duh. There we go. That's actual holding people accountable. This is what has to happen. This is what needs to be said. This is a very sad day today. December 18th, 2019. Sad day. Sad day of realizing that there are people stuck in an alternate reality that, you know, are trying to push through that barrier to truth and just can't seem to do it. I mean, if they have people like Lisa Page with that dude Matto on TV, what do you expect? Listen to what she said. In terms of... In terms of the text messages and the allegations that have been made against you, um, you've sort of explained yourself in, ta- in putting these, those text messages uh, in greater context in terms of what they meant and the way they were used against you. Um, can you explain to us tonight um, what was meant by, for example, the insurance policy 
text message. So this is you and Peter Strzok texting about the prospect that President Trump is going to be elected, the unlikely prospect. Right. I mean, it's an analogy. First of all, it's not my text, so I'm sort of interpreting what I believe he meant back three years ago. But we're using an analogy. We're talking about whether or not we should take certain investigative steps or not based on the likelihood that he's going to be president or not. Right. You have to keep in mind, if President Trump doesn't become president, the national security risk, if there is somebody in his campaign associated with Russia, plummets. You're not so worried about what Russia's doing vis-a-vis -a, -vis a member of his campaign if he's not president, because you're not going to have access to classified information. You're not going to have access to sources and methods in our national security apparatus. So the insurance policy was an analogy. It's like an insurance policy when you're 40. You don't expect to die when you're 40, yet you still have an insurance policy. So don't just hope that he's not going to be elected and therefore not press forward at the investigation hoping, but rather press forward at the investigation just in case he does get in there. Exactly. What about the text message that, uh, in which you and Strzok were talking about your uh, sort of fear that Trump would be elected and he said, no, we won't let it happen? I mean, by we, he's talking about the collective we, like-minded, thoughtful, sensible people who were not going to vote this person into office. Uh, you know, what is she trying to say? That over 80 million Americans, there's no way that Hillary Clinton mustered more than 20 million votes, and that's if. So she's trying to say that the majority of the voting population, the valid voting population, is not kind-hearted and thoughtful? You know, obviously, in retrospect, do I wish he hadn't sent it? Yes. It's been mutilated to death, and it's been used to bludgeon an institution I love, and it's meant that I've disappointed countless people. But this is a, this is a snapshot in time, carrying on a conversation that had happened earlier in the day that reflected a broad sense of, he's not going to be president. We, the democratic people of this country, are not going to let it happen. And in terms of the litigation of this issue, the question about whether or not this, as the president and his supporters claim, reflected some inherent political bias by you and Mr. Strzok. Wow, right? So they had her on there. This is a prelude. I mean, I don't want to see her go to jail first. And, you know, to, to be honest, it should be done in a sense of, you know, how... Um, how things evolved more than anything to be held accountable. Her uh, law license should be revoked, uh, and she should uh, pay a pretty penny for what she did in orchestrating uh, the overthrow of a duly elected president. Because you know what's funny is that they're like, yeah, we're just going to go ahead and do this and do this just in case he becomes president. She said it. But Joe Biden actually committed crimes as vice president. And now that he's running, it's like, oh, you're going after your opponent. But don't look at the crimes he did. We're not going to look at that. Listen, guys, all you have to look at is all the people endorsing fake Ahontas. <laughs> They're putting their money on, on fake Ahontas. I kid you not. And remember, I told you that I watched a movie the other day that had an Elizabeth Warren sticker way before she entered the race on the bumper. So when I tell you that things are not what they seem, right? I, I forgot the name of the movie. It was like some, I, I totally forgot. Um, I'd gotten it from Redbox. I'll, I'll try to see if I can find the show. I've just been so extremely overwhelmed um, these past two weeks. Uh, it had a bumper sticker, Warren, before she even threw her hat in the race. 
So now you're seeing, as of yesterday, tons of big wig Democrats have thrown their support behind her, which means Joe Biden is toast. They know he's toast. They're going to throw him in there and they're going to be like, sorry, dude, we tried, we failed. Now we just have to focus on removing this guy for president. And I'm going to tell you what, do not sit there and say, all right, now it's in there. You better be on that phone to your senator and say, I will come with a pitchfork to your door, dude, if you vote to impeach him. Because you're going to watch people that you thought were Republicans say, well, you know, I voted like this, and it's like, tough noogies, man. You come to me. I got the deep state that's got my back, so maybe you want to watch out, you know? And that's true, because your senator, if he does vote to impeach the president, these corporations are going to cause you big trouble. I mean, they silence you. They take away services. The next thing is what? I'm just saying. See you all in a bit. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr., and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you, and God bless America. Hi, I'm Laura Loomer, and I'm running for Congress in Florida's 21st Congressional District. Big tech social media companies have made it their goal to censor and ultimately shut down conservative voices as a way to control political dialogue ahead of the 2020 elections. Few things are more un-American than censorship, yet now, more than ever, we see glaring examples of it daily. Conservative accounts suspended or banned for innocuous postings, while liberal accounts with far more egregious content continue to operate freely and unencumbered. As someone banned on nearly every single social media platform, with even Chase Bank temporarily shutting down online access to my bank account, I understand the dangers of this far better than most. We cannot allow big tech social media companies to continue acting as liberal publishers free from oversight and regulation. Tech companies have used censorship not only as a way to silence those who they disagree with politically, but also as a way to incite violence against conservatives. While conservatives are banned and shut down, Terrorist organizations like Hamas and Antifa, criminals and even human traffickers are freely using social media to communicate. Americans deserve a fair and transparent playing field from big tech. And when in Congress, holding these companies and their executives accountable will be a top priority of mine. Go to lauraloomerforcongress.com to donate today. I want to thank each and every one of my listeners. Almost a year no, exactly a year and four weeks ago, I started this radio show. I didn't know that the need, well, I did, but I really didn't know that there was such a great need uh, for news to come through unfiltered, both domestic and global. I'm glad that I am filling a need. I mean, that is what inventions are about um, and I haven't invented anything I've stuck to the wheel the wheel is something that you can't reinvent and news shouldn't be reinvented because then they're no longer news I'd like to thank all of you for all your support because I couldn't have done it without you real news 
Welcome back, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So I finally found some of the stream that I wanted to play for you uh, before we get into uh, what's happening uh, on the other side of the pond, as per se. It's, um, you know, it's pretty bizarre, uh, but... Uh, it's bizarre that it's been in our face, you know, you as my listener, the loyal listeners that have been with me uh, for a while, people that have followed me throughout, you know, everything from HuffPo to Breitbart to Big League to, you know, uh, writing um, for myself, uh, for, for, my, for Laura Loomer, which again, I urge you, if you have an extra $5, please, we need to get people like that into Congress. We need people in there that will support the foundations of this nation. I think it's very important that more people who are not afraid to be attacked and railroaded are constantly being pushed in order to... Um, you know, drive conversations the way they should be. So um, I found the stream, thank goodness for Diamond and Silk, uh, for um, having that stream up, actually. Uh, so that way we can actually take a listen to his own words. I mean, you'll be baffled. Take a listen to this question and answer. Now, McCabe said, told people he didn't remember doing this. Uh, but in fact, McCabe told your team he did not remember details about 26 significant events in your report. Did you find his memory lapses credible? He, he seemed to be pretty—he seemed to be pretty involved in this investigation. I mean, overruling to make sure Peter Struck would be named the director, contacting the New York field office. Uh, he seemed to be pretty involved, and yet, on some pretty significant issues in your report. He just doesn't recall. Do you find that those memory lapses credible? Um, we, we did find he was briefed on the investigation, and as you noted, there were several points at the beginning where um, he was involved. Um, we don't make a determination or credibility finding on, on that issue. Okay. Senator Peters. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just, well, I just want to clarify after some of that line of questioning, just so we were clear for, for, the, for the record, uh, and you can answer these first couple questions with a with yes or no if that works for you, Mr. Horowitz. Did you find any documentary or testimonial evidence that the decision to open the investigation was political? Um, we did not. Did you find any documentary or testimonial evidence that the decision to open the investigation was motivated by bias against President Trump? Uh, we did not. Your report uh, states that in mid-2016, the FBI was investigating attempts by Russia to hack into political campaigns, parties, and election interference. Is that correct? Right. We put that in there for background purposes. Correct. Right. Your report also states that the FBI received information from a friendly foreign government that Russia offered to assist the Trump campaign. Is that correct? Correct. We, we lay out the precise words that uh, Mr. Papadopoulos reportedly stated to the friendly foreign government. Great. Now, your report does, uh, uh, does uh, outline a number of problems uh, with uh, the FISA process, as you've uh, elaborated on. My question is particularly when it uh, relates to questions from the chairman regarding uh, Carter Page. My question is, did the FISA errors affect the investigation's other three subjects uh, in, your, uh, in your analysis? Um, we did not see um, information from the Carter Page events and the FISAs infecting the others. In, in fact, part of the 
concerns that we outline here is the lack of developing of information as to Mr. Page. So it wasn't uh, developing, advancing the investigation precisely for the reasons we outline here, um, and by definition, therefore, not being of assistance or impacting the others. So it had no impact on the other investigations? On, as to the other three, we didn't see any connection between this and the others with, I'll say, this caveat, which is the Papadopoulos information was being used in the page FISAs. And so the extent to which the page FISAs were not advancing information as to Mr. Page, they arguably weren't advancing information as to Mr. Papadopoulos because that was the linchpin fact initially at least to go for, uh, you know, opening all of the cases. Okay. So as, you, as you've identified uh, a number of issues <laughs> related to uh, how uh, the FBI used the FISA process, uh, certainly those are things that need to be addressed. The director has said uh, that he is working to address. So my question is, is there, is there, do you have any idea if, as you are quoted as saying, there were basic and fundamental errors were made uh, in this process. Is there any idea that this is just system, uh, this is kind of a systemic problem uh, in the FBI, or was this, did this only occur with this particular investigation, or do you think this is much broader that we have to, to deal with in a broader sense? Well, as you know, as an IG, I'll speak to what we found here, and that's frankly why we started the audit, because the concern is this is such a high-profile important case. If it happened here, is this indicative of a wider problem, and we only will know that if, when we complete our audit, or is it isolated to this event? Obviously, we need to do the work to understand that. So you mentioned the audit. Could you describe the scope of the audit before? So what we're going to do in the first instance, since we don't know what we don't know, and this is, to our knowledge, the first ever deep dive anyone's taken in a FISA, what we're going to do in the first instance is have our auditors do some um, selections of counterintelligence and counterterrorism. This was a counterintelligence FISA. We've heard lots of concerns about counterterrorism FISAs, about targeting and other issues there. We're going to take a sampling. We're going to look and compare and, and see how the Woods procedures played out in those FISAs by comparing the Woods binders to the FISAs and seeing if the same basic errors are occurring there. If they are, then what we'll do is we'll make further selection to do deeper dives as, as appropriate. But we first want to get a, a window into these. Um, we have limited resources, and we want to make sure we're targeting them in the right places. Ah, targeting them in the right places, huh? Is that what he's saying? You know what? Today's theme for a song, you know, it's all about prayer and hoping the Lord has mercy on all of us and our nation. And it totally reminded me. It was in the 80s that a song actually came out, and it would say, Lord, have mercy on the road that I might travel. So I'm going to play that for you, and it's not, a church, it's not church music. You just didn't know that the person was saying, Lord, have mercy. It's actually the word, Lord, have mercy, in another language. It's a pretty cool song. Take a listen.
you back to the days, to the old days, but I don't think that all of you know that that whole song is a prayer, a whole a whole prayer of going through uncharted waters. Funny how Mr. Mister, um, you know, wasn't that popular, and it's 2019, and his song is more relevant than anything today. I think today's theme song should be Kirieleson, which literally means Lord have mercy, and the opening prayer in. Um, um, 
uh, that was done in ancient Greek, Greek, uh, Aramaic, uh, you name it, starts with Kyrieleison, which is Lord have mercy. Uh, that I'm even asking, Lord have mercy on everything we do, and Lord have mercy on our nation, because right now we need all the mercy we can get, because we are in a position of spiritual warfare on all fronts. Uh, if if one was to describe it or draw it, I, you could just envision the planet Earth engulfed in flames and uh, people literally throwing, you know, squirting them with squirt guns. That's basically how it looks. But guess what? That's because nobody has squirt guns. Imagine if all the billions of people pulled out squirt guns. And you know what that is? Prayer. And I've said it before. The only reason President Trump won was because on the eve of the election, there was worldwide prayer. It was coordinated by, uh, by Graham. Um, it was on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube. And it was at the same time, a global, guys, global, where people just stood for a few minutes and listened to a prayer and said their own prayer that everything go forward. This is a praying president because, again, words matter. Words really, really matter. The, the way you say it, the way you spell it, the way you misspell it, the way you missay it, words have such powerful meaning. It is incredible. There's, there's, there's actually a professor, a scientist in Japan, that has proven that water can be altered by words or the environment it is in. And what are human beings made of? That's right. We're made of water. So, again, pray. Things will go forward. Things are on the right track, and they're 100% uh, moving where they should be. The only thing is, is that they are a little bit retarded in the fact that um, it is slowly being pulled back. We are under assault, spiritual assault, uh, physical assault, you name it, we're being attacked everywhere. And you think we're the only ones? Globally, this is happening. Globally, this is happening. The Eastern Mediterranean and Middle East are going insane. You know, uh, Debbie Lesko actually made a statement. I want you to hear her, how fired up she was, even though she's been quite mousy-ish, how fired up she was when she said there's no proof that Trump committed any impeachable offenses, yet we're impeaching him. And I want you to watch the video. I think it was um, Phoenix, Fox 10 Phoenix that had it. Find it on YouTube. You'll see the same guy whispering in, in, um, in that grease ball's ear the other day. They're present to watch. Committee, the gentlelady from Arizona, Ms. Lesko. The lady's recognized. Thank you, Mr. Cole, for yielding me the time. Um, Madam Speaker, you know, God takes us on journeys in our life. And about 30 years ago, I was married to an abusive ex-husband. And when I finally left him, there were times in my life I had no money and no place to live. And I tell you what, I never dreamed in a million years that I would be standing here today as a congresswoman in the United States House of Representatives. And I tell you what, I never would have believed that I would be standing here talking about impeachment of a president of the United States. 
I serve on the Judiciary Committee. I also serve on the Rules Committee. I have spent hours and hours and hours reading transcripts, looking at documents, hearing testimony. And I can tell you one thing. I believe this is the most unfair, politically biased, rigged process that I have seen in my entire life. Here are the facts. There is no proof, none, that the president has committed an impeachable offense. Not one of the Democrat witnesses, not one, was able to establish that the president committed bribery, treason, or high crimes and misdemeanors as required in the U.S. Constitution. And as I've said before, the Democrats are really undermining their own, own argument here because 17 out of the 24 Democrat members on the Judiciary Committee voted here on this floor to put forward, move forward articles of impeachment on July 17th of this year before the President Trump's call even took place. And five out of the nine Rules Committee members that are Democrats did the same thing. So if your argument is that this phone call is the main reason for this impeachable offense, why did you vote for impeachment, moving impeachment forward before the call even took place? The process has been rigged from the start. My members, other members have told you, I mean, Never in the history of the United States have we had impeachment that's gone through the Intelligence Committee in closed-door hearings where a member of the Judiciary Committee, myself, wasn't even able to ask one single question of a fact witness. The whole thing's been rigged, been unfair. In the process that you had set forth, you made sure that the president didn't have any right to have his counsel there until judiciary. But by then it was too late. It was too late. Because there was no fact witnesses allowed in judiciary. So I couldn't even ask a question, nor could the president. This is the most partisan impeachment in the history of the United States. Not one Republican voted for it in Judiciary Committee, not one Republican voted for it in rules, and not one Republican I don't think is going to vote for it here today. Madam Speaker, this is, this is a sad day. I believe the Democrats are tearing this country apart. They're tearing families apart. May God continue to bless all of you. May God continue to bless the President of the United States. And may God continue to bless our great nation. And I yield back. Members are reminded. So again, they push forward for articles of impeachment before the phone call. This is all a sham. Guess what? The right knew it. They did nothing. Your glorious right media did nothing. People did nothing. They stand by waiting to be handed the answer by others. It's in our hands. We drive the conversation. We say what's go. What, what can go. We 
are in charge. They are not. It's time we take charge. And I've been saying this for a while, too. Not saying grab your guns and pitchforks. I'm saying grab your phone. Go forward. Be vocal. Put it all over the place. On the Internet, on your text messages, on your Facebook, on your Instagram, on your Twitter, everywhere. We need to be talking about it time and time and time again. And that is what changes everything because we drive the conversation. Now, um, before I go to the short break, I'm going to play another little section quickly of this um, Inspector General hearing that happened today. Give me a second. Let me find the right one. And it's just one Q&A right, right about here. There we go. Here we go. Main thing. And I said, pardon me. And he said, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And it took me about two years to figure out what he was talking about. But I'm reminded of those words uh, today um, as we try to figure out uh, the truth and to figure out what is indeed the main thing uh, as it flows from your investigation and your work. Um, in preparing for this uh, hearing, I was speaking of Methodist ministers. I was reminded of a verse of scripture. I think it might be in the book of Matthew that warns uh, those who see the speck in their brother's eye but don't consider the beam that's uh, in their own eye. And over the past um, few years, the media and some of my colleagues have focused extensively on text exchanges between FBI officials Lisa Page and Peter Strzok, which have been cited as proof of political motivation behind the crossfire hurricane investigation. Um, but Mr. Horowitz, your report, I believe, notes that other agents exchanged pro-Trump texts and instant messages during the course of the investigation. Uh, for example, one supervisory special agent wrote in November 2016, I think it was just after the election, that he was, this is a quote from him, was so elated with the election, close quote, and compared election coverage to, quote, watching a Super Bowl comeback, close quote. He later explained his comments by stating that he, quote, didn't want a criminal to be in the White House, close quote, referring, I, I presume, to um, Hillary Clinton. Uh, Mr. Horowitz, so this agent was supervising the use of a confidential human source in the investigation. Is that correct? So um, the individual was in a field office with a confidential human source who um, provided certain information but wasn't ultimately used by the Crossheart mm -hmm. Hurricane investigation. All right. Uh, and you found other examples of pro-Trump exchanges between FBI personnel, is that true? Um, yes, generally. Uh, Mr. Horowitz, uh, did, uh, did you or, or uh, your team find any evidence that the agents who exchanged pro-Trump messages were influenced by political bias? Um, we did not find evidence of action there. And again, you know, as I mentioned earlier, we were very careful to separate out general statements pro or anti a candidate um, compared to text messages that went a step further and suggested some intent potentially to act on them or that had wording that was concerning. Um, FBI employees, like any other employee in the federal government, are allowed to have 
personal views on um, which candidate they support or don't support. What they can't do is act on them. What they've got to do is check them at the door before they get to work. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were trying to sort through here. Yeah, I think that is the main thing. All of us have our political views. We have certainly have them on this committee and in the body where we serve. And the question is to what extent do they impede or uh, promote our ability to get things things done. But I'll just ask you a question again. I just want to make sure I understand. Did, did you or your team find any evidence that the agents who exchanged pro-Trump messages were influenced by political bias? No, we did not. Right. Of course they didn't. Because it wouldn't be of interest to find that, right? That's the way it is. Of course they didn't. And again, I just wanted to say this video is also compromised. It seems like they don't. They don't want us to have this video and listen to this testimony. The question is why? See you all in a bit. All right, welcome back everyone to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So now uh, we are going to move on to what is going on overseas. It is pretty insane, you guys, uh, because, you know, we've been talking about it. The mainstream media hasn't even mentioned it, really. But I want to um, first introduce you to Italy. Uh, Italy is meeting with Libya's alleged rival leaders, rival leaders meaning the legitimate Libyan government. And I also want you guys to listen to what Turkey is saying as to why they signed this maritime deal. And I'm going to explain to it again what this maritime deal means. Basically, the UN has provided to Turkey to be their foster military, granting them full rights of all Libyan waters. Even though Tripoli is only in one little section of the west side of Libya, they are now patrolling all waters. So they have, on their own reconnaissance, decided to um, take all the water from Cyprus down through the Med, meeting up with um, uh, Libya. This uh, enters into other waters that don't have agreements with Turkey to come in. They only had them with Libya, you know, like neighboring waters, etc., the way they discuss things. So this is a hot mess. But on top of that, yesterday, a Turkish diplomat, of, you know, from the actual embassy of Turkey, was assassinated, killed in Australia. Huh. Yes, take a listen to this. On the 39th anniversary of the slaying of Turkey's Consul General in Sydney, Australian police announced they will re-investigate Shirk Ariak's assassination. They're offering a reward of 680,000 US dollars for anyone who provides information about the attackers. We still suspect there are people with known intimate knowledge in relation to the planning and execution of that assassination. On December 17, 1980, Ariak and his bodyguard were assassinated by two masked gunmen as they were driving to work. The operation in Australia was done by Armenian revolutionaries. An Armenian terror group calling itself the Justice Commandos, or JSAG, claimed responsibility for the attack, but no one involved has ever been identified or indicted. Ariak's daughter, Chala, and members of the Turkish-Australian community attended this year's commemoration of their deaths. She urged the public 
to share information about the attack with police. Well, I'm very happy for the Australian uh, people. And then uh, as for myself, I mean, uh, um, I'm like, uh, how should I say, I don't know. Uh, what's done is done. And as I said, I mean, is that person uh, sleeping in peace or is he having nightmares? We're here to help and uh, to solve this so everyone else will live in peace because you never know when the next bomb's going to go off. Shedekariak is just one Turkish diplomat assassinated in the 1970s and 80s. From Los Angeles to Vienna, Turkish ambassadors were slain under similar circumstances. JSAG, along with another Armenian terror group, the Armenian Secret Army for the Liberation of Armenia, were blamed. According to Turkey's government, the two groups killed more than 90 Turkish officials and civilians in attacks that directly targeted Turkish diplomats. Over 500 people were injured. The two groups said they were avenging Armenians killed in 1915 in the Ottoman Empire. Attacks by the two terror groups declined in the late 80s after their leaders died. No more have been reported since the 90s. The assassination of Şerik Ariyak is believed to be the first politically motivated murder of a diplomat on Australian soil. But it's not the first time Armenian terror groups targeted Turkish diplomats. This new investigation is likely to uncover details of how these terrorists operated and who supported them. Ahmad Kablan, TRT World, Sydney, Australia. Huh, what a coincidence, I'm just going to say, because that other guy was killed um, on the 17th, and this was triggered, but now look who's the demon. Are you paying attention? The Armenians. Remember what Schiff pushed forward? Oh, we're going to sign the Armenian genocide. What is the crown doing? Don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Since it was a big deal in Australia, we'll make a totally big deal. We totally support Turkey. Forget the Armenians. I know people signed this uh, you know, declaration of genocide, but we're on your side. Why? <laughs> Here's where it comes down to it. It comes down to why Turkey has... Um, Turkey and Libya's UN recognized government in Tripoli. And this is from the own, from Turkish public broadcast. Listen to what they're telling you. This is from the Turkish government approved, right? Because they get told what to say, what they have to say about it. They tell you loud and clear. Turkey and Libya's UN-recognized government in Tripoli has signed a historic deal, a memorandum of understanding, and it's been called a game-changer. So what's the deal? Signed by the Turkish president and head of Libya's government of national accord, the MOU demarcates the maritime boundaries between Turkey and Libya on the Mediterranean Sea and identifies the coordinates of Turkey's economic exclusive zones. Here's a little background. Greece and Greek Cyprus's plan was to limit Turkey's economic exclusive zones to around the Gulf of Antalya which would restrict Turkey's capacity to be involved in the energy geopolitics of the Eastern Mediterranean. Okay, stop right there. So I just want to tell you, just so you know, Greece flanks all of Turkey on their western side in the Mediterranean, hooking back under to their southwestern side, right? And Cyprus takes over that little nook, you know, the bay that comes on to Syria, that comes on to Israel, that comes on to all the other nations, you know, because... 
the eastern Mediterranean ends, you know, is at a bay, right? Uh, that then, you know, the water swims into the Nile and down, you know, the River Nile through Egypt, blah, 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 right? Just so that you get geographically. So basically, Turkey has Greece and Cyprus smack in the middle of the Mediterranean, cutting them off from the African coast. Remember, Hitler, when he wanted to pass through in order to dominate the world, he asked Greece, can I pass through so I can get to the African coast? And it was at that time that Syrians and Libyans were fleeing the African coast to come toward Greece to find sanction under the Allies in World War II. Just so you know where we're at geographically and the significance of this. So they're saying, oh, they wouldn't let us like enter their waters where all their islands are and you know, they're not letting us drill oil in their water, okay? Their water, right? <laughs> Greece's water. So it's like Mexico saying, well, you know, it's totally unfair that California is not letting us drill off the coast of California. It's like they're restricting us to the lower half of the Atlantic. This is basically what they're saying. You see, Greece, Egypt, Israel, and the Greek Cypriot administration previously signed maritime agreements that excluded Turkey. But with this newly signed deal with Libya, Turkey... And that's because um, Turkey doesn't have territory. Egypt, Israel, Syria, all of these nations are, in, are, are bordering the Mediterranean. Now, if an island is there, what are you going to say? The island, the coast of the island doesn't have territory of water? Are you saying your country from where your borders end come up? So it's like saying, let's, let's pick an island. Oh, the United Kingdom. So that means the United Kingdom should have no territory whatsoever between them and mainland Europe at all. Because they're an island. And then Europe could say, that's not fair. We should be on the shores of, you know, South End and Portsmouth. And France should say, we own the southern coast of England. They're limiting us to, to, <laughs> to our <laughs> borders. I'm just saying, this is how ridiculous it is. But listen to how they explain it. Turkey hopes to disrupt that plan that would isolate Ankara from energy exploration in the region and show that it's using diplomatic means to protect its rights in the eastern Mediterranean under international law. Through this deal, Turkey could prompt other Mediterranean powers to reach out to Ankara to implement the East Med Gas Pipeline project, which hopes to revolutionize the economies and geopolitics of the region. So Turkey reiterates that the MOU isn't about exclusion and conflict, but a step to seek resolution through inclusive dialogue over the Eastern Mediterranean. But it's not just about the Eastern Mediterranean. The deal also includes agreements on weapon transfer, technical support, intelligence sharing, security training, exchange of weapon systems, and various other forms of cooperation between the two countries. Okay, so here's how I want you to picture it in your mind so it makes sense. Um, let's, let's pretend um, that we're in the Gulf of Mexico so we can regionalize it to the United States, okay? So it can make a little sense. Um, so, well, can it? I'm trying to see. Then you would have to flip it. Not, a, not everybody thinks the same. So let me see how I'm going to say this. Okay, so we've got Greece. we got the island of Crete. And then diagonally southeast is Cyprus. So where the water ends for Crete, the water begins for Cyprus, the nation of Cyprus, their territory. Turkey is on the north side of both of these islands, right? It's northern to them, right? North border. So what they want to do is take all the water territory, this is what this agreement has done, between Greece and Cyprus, and it takes that whole chunk, giving them free reign across 
Egyptian waters to Libya. And like they said, like they said, and I'm going to play that back, it's not only about them drilling and wanting peace. It's about what else? Weapons transfer, intelligence sharing, the same strategy Hitler used, because if you take that port of Africa in the Mediterranean, you have access. Eastern Mediterranean. The deal also includes agreements on weapon transfer, technical support, intelligence sharing, security training, exchange of weapon systems, and various other forms of cooperation between the two countries. There's even discussion about the deployment of troops for three years, joint drills, and the establishment of a joint office of defense and security cooperation. Basically, it's a huge deal, and a first. What are the perks of the deal? It's a win-win situation for both parties. Turkey gets to be actively involved in plans regarding the Eastern Mediterranean and conduct energy exploration efforts like the others, and also disrupt the plans that seek to limit Turkey's economic exclusive zone. And since Turkey has the longest coastline in the Eastern Mediterranean and its maritime military defense has always been of utmost importance, Ankara wants to assert that it is just as part of the Eastern Mediterranean as any other country in the region, and that the Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus has rights to the resources in the area just as much as the Greek Cypriot of Just so you know, Turkish Republic of Northern Cyprus is the part of Cyprus that they invaded. Okay, let's just get that clear. Okay? It's the invaded part. I just wanted to make it clear. Administration. Essentially, this maritime deal seeks to strengthen Turkey's position in the region against Greece and the Greek administration of Cyprus, who attempt to isolate Turkey and the Turkish Cypriots. He says, with this step, we, we move the framework of international law. Against stances by Greece and the Cypriot administration opposing the claims of maritime jurisdiction. Remember, they're the only ones that recognize that jurisdiction. The whole world doesn't. Okay, let's just make that clear. They want to confine our country to the to the Gulf of Antalya. Um, it's not yours. It's like Mexico saying, "I have claim to the Gulf of you know to the Gulf of Mexico that's right by Arkansas, Louisiana, and Texas. It's mine too." It's like, uh, no, it's not. That's like Mexican water. This is American water. You have your men. Nope, you're trying to confine me. <laughs> That's basically what they're saying. And Libya gets to benefit from the deal too. The country's UN-recognized GNA is constantly fighting warlord Khalifa Haftar and his forces. Haftar is warlord. He's the Libyan National Army general. But okay, uh, he represents the military of all of Libya except for one little dot of the what they call the Tripoli government, the UN recognized Tripoli government. Libyans don't even recognize Tripoli as the official government. They recognize Benghazi, they recognize Fusir, they, they don't recognize Tripoli. They're still actively trying to seize Tripoli and usurp the country's gas and petrol reserves with the help of foreign support. This deal makes it possible for Libya's UN recognized government to ask Turkey for military assistance when it needs it and help it thwart any attack by forces affiliated with the renegade military commander. Erdogan saying, we're not looking to make enemies, but we're looking to make friends. If there are enemies to us, we want to offer them our friendship. 
So this new deal could serve as a positive step forward for more than just Turkey and Libya. It could potentially pave the way for healthier dialogue over changes to the eastern Mediterranean and how respective countries benefit from those changes. That's how propaganda works completely, right? Yeah, we're just looking to do good stuff. Listen to Al Jazeera, Qatari government, which also funds the UN-backed Tripoli. Hear what they have to say when Italy's Di Maio actually spoke with Libya's, air quote, rival leaders. Take a listen. To the front line for what could be the final battle for Tripoli. Militia allied to the internationally recognized government moved heavy weapons and fighters south to the outskirts of the capital. We, the Mahajub Brigade support forces, are on our way to the capital, Tripoli. We are on our way, and God willing, we will be victorious. Haftar's forces are also reinforcing their front lines. Each side has foreign help. Turkey has offered to send troops in support of the Tripoli government, while Haftar has soldiers for hire. There are a thousand new Russian mercenaries deployed to Tripoli, according to two U.S. officials and one source in Moscow quoted in Bloomberg News, uh, Sudanese and Chadian mercenaries, uh, all assembling on the front lines for what they're calling the final push. Um, so it's increasingly likely that uh, Turkey will deploy uh, something uh, to help defend Tripoli, if needed, by the GNA. With the threat of escalation looming, Italy's Foreign Minister Luigi Di Maio met with both sides on Tuesday, holding talks with Fayez al-Sarraj in Tripoli, and then with Haftar in the eastern city of Rajma, inviting him to Rome for further talks. The UN is calling for the two, the rival governments and international backers, to agree to a political solution. We continue to call for de-escalation and for active support by all Libyans and international actors engaged in Libya to find a peaceful and political solution to end the conflict and by addressing its underlying causes. I think it's important that the international community as a whole rally around uh, the efforts of uh, the Libyan people, of course, and also of the efforts of the Secretary General's uh, representative, Mr. Salome, in trying to find a political solution. This conflict, analysts say, is becoming less and less about Libya, with international actors pulling the strings and flooding the battlefield. Andrew Chappelle, Al Jazeera. Did you notice how they mentioned Russia? Did you notice how they're starting to sweat about Russia and they're looking at the wrong place, which is... Uh, you know, again, we're going to be here and, you know, right after, uh, you know, right after Easter, we're going to be here talking about this. Oh, did you mean that uh, Russia came in from the north? We've been talking about it. And that's the way it's going to happen. And there's going to be a lot of support for that because, again, there is nothing else that they can do. And, you know... I wanted to say, you know how many people um, say, well, you know, that seems a little bit sketchy. Will it happen? Will it not happen? Well, you know, it's been happening. I told you World War III has sparked. Here it is. Uh, Turkey is being a bully about it, and they're roasting and burning their own turkey at it. Uh, so they are causing themselves more heartache and pain with the aggressive stance. But on the other hand, they have to do it. Um, in their eyes, because this is the only way that they can move forward and continue the plan. I also wanted to say, the daughter that you heard speaking uh, in Australia, 
um, who's now like 40 years old. Her husband actually runs the Maraha um, school in New Jersey that has all government, Turkish government officials teaching American citizens, uh, what is it, Muslim faith and education through Muslim faith, you know, that, um, what was it called? Muslim Brotherhood stuff, that's right. So this is what we need to um, be aware of that is happening. While we're in turmoil here and we're distracted with all these fake persons, remember when everyone's like, well, I trust Christopher Ray, I've said it before, not every bad person comes out with their bad face out of the gate, kind of like Dan Coates. And when I hear trust Ray, trust the fact that Ray is where he needs to be. And trust the fact that he may be a double for the good and the bad. That is how it is. Remember, your best ally during the war against evil is one that played for the evil team. That is your best ally always because they know how they operate. They know who they are at the highest ranks. I'm just going to leave it at that on that statement. I just wanted to state that because it's important that we understand that. Um, this is why I was like, I don't trust anybody. Because when you're a double, you can always flip. That's the thing when you don't have loyalty. And one may say, well, if you work for the bad guys and then you come to the good guy side, you know, what says that, you know, you'll be, uh, that you're not going to flip? And it's like, no, but it's, it's not playing both sides of the team. It's realizing that the team you were playing on was bad and switching. This one is, no, this person is knowingly and willingly, um, you know, moving sides back and forth. Now, um, in regards to our international conflicts, China is uh, extremely aggressive in ascertaining and, and ensuring that President Trump does not continue on their path. But the disruption in their plans of mitigating possible future extermination by the global cabal um, has now happened. So it seems that the situation with China is being diffused ever so slowly uh, with them. And this is why there's a little bit of a push and a pull and a trigger uh, with the Chinese. On the other hand, if you've noticed, Saudi Arabia is very quiet lately, lots going on. Israel, very quiet in the sense of being louder. Uh, right now, they have a lot of problems with Turkey entering the area. What else are we seeing that there's an eerie quietness of? Right, the European Union. Because there's so much noise being made in England, and are you hearing about it? They're terrified. The minute we have Snowden and Assange here, the game is over. But the thing is, can we fix what they have done to him? They will do anything to stop what's coming, and they can't. So it's really important that, you know, we... Pay attention to that. Pay attention to what the president tells you. Pay attention to misspellings because those will tell you everything you need. Or pay attention to misspeaking. Where is it? 
let me find Horowitz misspeaking. Listen to this. Accurate, and I note here no one's taking issue with our factual findings, but rather inferences drawn from them. Um, and that's critical. So we've got to be able to do that. We've got to be able to have robust dialogue, as I mentioned earlier. The fact that I may disagree or the Attorney General may disagree with me isn't a problem. In fact, it in some respects demonstrates the importance of our independence and our independence. Um, the, some of the things that SIGI does and the Council of Inspectors General do, does that's important is pull together all 73 federal IGs. Um, and bring us together for common goals, common purposes, common issues that we should have oversight of, um, training, but most importantly, um, being able to advance independence and transparency in the government, represent the taxpayers in our agencies, um, support um, the ability to get information out there to the public so that the taxpayers know where their money's going, how their money is being used, whether programs they're authorizing, in this case FISA, that are highly intrusive. Oh, that's why I don't like it. Programs there it is. are being used wisely or not being used wisely and making recommendations to fix them and then doing follow-up to make sure that's done and being able to come up here, frankly, like I did for many years um, before this committee and the chairman on access to records and other issues that we were having problems with so we could do our jobs. In fact, this committee, as it's aware, this report wouldn't have been possible but for the IG Empowerment Act that you all passed. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to do this and do my little audit if you didn't do it. But you know what? I'm going to leave you with this since the hour's up. We've talked about misspellings, changing definitions, and everything. Think oil which is really important because even with Turkey, that's a problem. Think oil and then think heritage oil. And then think misspellings. Think oil. Hmm. Interesting. Think oil. Oil. So I'll leave you with that. Tomorrow, um, unless, I, I think it's going to be announced tonight um, or after the show, Hopefully, that's the plan. If I remember correctly, that's the plan. If it's not, it'll be the day after, maybe on a Thursday. But considering that AG Bar will be on television, I am assuming it will be today. But remember the word oil, short for heritage oil. From all of us here at Red State Talk Radio, I want to wish you a wonderful evening. God bless and keep praying. See you tomorrow.